Welcome back to another episode of the Quantium Cast. I'm your host, Ryan Kia, and today I just wanted to go through a few basic ways of making money from not really doing much. Some of these require a little bit of capital up front. Some of them require you to do nothing but give your time. And I thought I'd share them with people because a lot of youngsters such as myself keep asking the same question of how do I get starting capital to set my own business up? Or how do I get starting capital to invest in the financial markets, which is our area that we cover a lot of the time? Well, I'd like to share a brief bit of my story. I didn't come from a background that was privileged by any means. I didn't have the opportunity to go to my parents and say, mom or dad, can I have a certain amount of money to go and do what I wanted to do? I didn't have the ability to go to grandparents, aunties, uncle, family, friends. It was all a matter of doing it myself. And that was really difficult, especially being a young child, because I was very loss averse, like many of us are. I was afraid to take a risk. In fact, to the point where I would pass up great opportunities by just contemplating and thinking and waiting on the sidelines. And what I like to tell you guys is that there are different ways that you can utilize your skills. You don't need to even have some entrepreneurial knack. All you've got to be able to use is basic indicators that you have out there, like eBay's sales data, which we're going to talk about. Amazon sales data isn't really available, but you can track things selling and catch on to the heights. A basic trend following thing on a social basis, nothing too difficult. You can play games. That's another area that uh, I remember doing. In fact, I could give a couple of examples. Let's uh, look at them later, though. We'll start off with the e-commerce side. Have you ever walked into a charity shop or just a car boot sale area and have seen things that are really cheap and you think, goodness me, why are these people selling them so cheaply? Well, what if you didn't even know what the product was? You've got internet on your phone, go to eBay, go to different sites, for example, Facebook Marketplace, see what these things are selling for. In fact, completed and uh, I believe registered sales are the things that will give you the data of what the actual market price is, not what the listed price is. Let's give an example on a good. Say you want a record to, I don't know, uh, Mariah Carey, and it's selling for £5.95 right now, plus £3.90 postage. That's around £9.90 in total. If you walk into a charity shop and you see it for 50 pence, why not tell them, here's the easiest way to make money. You tell them, can you put it by for me? I'm going to come back and collect it at the end of the day or something like that. A basic trick. So you can sell it. If it doesn't sell within the 24 hours you put it, or the period that you want to come back and buy it, you don't come back and buy it. You don't have any risk to you, and you have the ability to make around five, six pounds after postage on just paying 50 pence. What can you do with 50 pence? Not even buy a chocolate bar. That is so much value being created by just a little bit of action and initiative. That's one area we're gonna look at. You, you can use things like eBay, uh, Gumtree, Amazon, whatever to sell those things. You can do it on a small basis as a small side hustle or you can make it into an income. I could give an example. When you had a hit product like loom bands back in the day, a lot of people were selling them at high prices. I remember each small packet of something like 50 bands was being sold for a pound, a pop. 
And then a couple of years later, you sold them being sold for something like uh, a pound for 10 packets of those 50 in each packet. So you can tell when the hype is dead. Well, here's the thing. People were buying them from China in bulk for hundreds of packets for a couple of pounds. It was crazy. And there was so much margin to be made for just regular people. You didn't even need to be an investor. In your circle at school, you could literally sell them because people wanted to get in on the hype. It was nothing special. It was just a bit of latex and rubber. Yet uh, people were making bands out of them. And if you were able to catch on to the hype, you'd make some money. Obviously, make sure to not buy too many of those things when the hype comes. We could talk about bottles, plastic bottles that had infused uh, capabilities. You could put, I don't know, a lemon in the top compartment of that plastic bottle, like a water bottle or something, and it would infuse your water bottle. Those were selling for quite a bit, but as the hype died out, they were being sold in bulk at extremely low values. You've got to get in as the hype develops and then make your money, then move out. Don't get attached. The same principle applies to investment. We shouldn't get attached at all. The same principle applies to going to car boot sales. If you find something fancy and you see it's selling at a good quantity, in fact, let's say you find some paperweight. I know that's a thing that's not really popular amongst most millennials, but if you see a paperweight and you can trace what it is particularly, like what are the specifics of the item, see what it's been selling for. Are they selling much? Have they even sold? If they haven't sold, move on, look at something else. But if you're buying it for like two, three pounds and it's worth 20, 30 pounds, you've got a lot of worth to actually investigate that item. Not only to try and negotiate, get it cheaper, say if you tell them it's three pounds, how about two pounds? Will you do that? Because I don't have more than two pounds or whatever. You've made your money right there and you have had no risk to you because if you're unable to sell it, you've given up two pounds. If you're able to sell it, 20 pounds minus say four pounds postage, you've made 14 pounds as a net profit for literally doing nothing but attending the car boot sale. Say that's the only thing you sell or manage to buy and then eventually sell. You pay, say, a pound to go into the car boot sale. So you've made a net profit of 13 pounds. The amount of time you're using isn't really that much. And a lot of people are spending the time sitting back, complaining, saying, I'm not going to be able to make ends meet or I need to have a side hustle whilst they're playing a little bit of Xbox and raging over FIFA 19. That's not important. What is important is making use of your time and creating value. So now we're going to talk about game accounts. Does anybody remember what happened when Clash of Clans came out? It was in something like 2012. Clash of Clans was a really popular game and still is arguably one of the most popular games to date. Well, you'd be surprised. That game had a lot of people farming new accounts on different devices. In fact, some people didn't even use different devices. They just used VPNs and different Google accounts. It is against the policy, but what people did was sell them on to individuals who wanted higher level accounts. Using your skill at a game to your advantage is great. Look at people on Fiverr. They're using their skills in, for example, coding, and firms are outsourcing coding. And these people are saying, all right, um, I will code for you. I will do the task you need for only a fiver or a, an agreed price. 
a lot of people are outsourcing these days as a business because it is frankly too expensive to start up your own area of production. For example, if you're a business that sells Coke cans, you have to source your plastic somewhere else. You can't just make your plastic uh, yourself or the metal, the aluminum mix that you're using for say your cans. You can't just make them yourself if you're a startup. If you're a big company, you might as well just buy up that area. But a lot of people try and outsource. So if you use your skills whilst this area is growing, there is a lot of money to be made. A lot of people like to type fast. What if you try and audio transcribe? A lot of places pay £9 plus an hour for those who have good accuracy rate, something like 150, 160 words per minute. I know it's quite a high figure, but it is still really impressive because you can make money from doing nothing. How about you apply to take part in a couple of online surveys? I know everybody's like, ah, they take 30 minutes. What if you don't get paid? I remember when I didn't have an idea of what I needed to do to get a little bit of funds my way. I was spending hours on end just trying to make 10 pounds, 20 pounds or whatever here and there to just answer surveys, nothing complex. In fact, a lot of people tend to waste their time on the web, just searching things, looking at YouTube videos that are just basically a result of contemplation. I do it a lot of the time, I, I contemplate. I sit down and I think, how am I gonna get value out of this moment? I've got so many essays or assignments to get done. But at the end of the day, if you spend an hour or so to create a little bit of value for yourself, you can come out of the day and say, you know what, I did something productive. And if you're in a situation where you're trying to generate funds for another main hustle, say from a signed hustle or just a side project, then by doing these small activities, you'll be able to do that. A lot of people think you have to chuck money in to some kind of training course to do this. I did it without any training. I did it without any advice from anyone. I was only relying on a long-term look, not a short-term look. For those of you interested to hear about my story and how I got involved in this kind of thing, I started with a five pound loan from my parents. I know that sounds quite odd to believe because I did say don't borrow money or whatever, but it's important to listen to the exact context because I was going outside with a couple of my friends and they suggested that we go and get some chicken from KFC in our local shopping area. And I thought, okay, let me ask my parents for five pounds to eat. But in reality, I was gonna make sure I came home and ate two servings of dinner instead of just spending that money on lunch. So as we went to the shopping area, what I did was I used that five pounds to buy glow sticks. I bought 30 glow sticks in a pack, the ones that are really hard to snap. Back when they were cheap, it was quite a great deal in fact. And I sold them for a pound each, maybe a week or so. But then I did that again. I used to sneak outside, well not sneak outside, I used to sneak around these festivals without tickets. And I tried to sell these glow sticks to whoever really. The majority of them were just drunk people <laughs> because everyone, when they're drunk, they just chuck the money around. So I remember uh, trying to just flog them on as quick as I could and then just rinse and repeat. And then I had some funds to start buying and selling gold and silver bullion, which is an area that is really saturated to say the least. I mean, everybody is now trying to sell gold and silver bullion small bars as collectibles. 
and it makes it difficult to really make it in that area. So I was involved for about a year, but actually before I went into that, I must mention that uh, I was just listing things as a third party for a person who owned a furniture business down the road where I was living. In fact, they were selling things secondhand. The guy used to paint them and redo them, basically refurbish stuff, and he needed to sell them online, but that was when people weren't doing anything online. There wasn't really a market online. Can you believe that? I mean, now there isn't really a market on the retail high street, but back then there was no online market. And I told him, look, if you give me a guaranteed cut, I will just list these online for you. It's so simple, literally going on sites like Preloved, Gumtree, etc., and just listing them. He does all the work, and all I do is take a commission. That's what I did. I got more funds to go and reinvest into other things, which led me to gold and silver bullion. Uh, eBay has a certain algorithm that you can work around if you are careful. You've got to make sure that you are extremely big on customer service and tracking has to be given on every item. The reason why I emphasize tracking is because let's give you an example. I was selling a gram of gold, a small bar, Credit Suisse or like Pampas Suisse, I don't exactly remember the brand, but it was something like £46.99 or something. It was a markup above scrap by a fair bit. But what I was doing was selling it on, I didn't put tracking, right? And I sent it and I was 100% sure that it came through. I sent it on first class postage to, to the fellow who'd ordered it, but he told me that I haven't received it. Where was my proof that I had sent it to him in particular? And my issue was that I couldn't prove that he hadn't received it, nor I had sent it because my receipt had gone somewhere in the bin. I wasn't really that organized and I never really had a problem like this before. So what I did was try and contest it. I didn't give the money back to the guy who asked for a refund, but PayPal immediately took that money out of my account because I had no way to prove that I'd sent it because I didn't put tracking and I didn't keep track of my receipts as well in the worst case situation where maybe I could uh, try and dispute it. Now I thought I could try and outdo the whole system by taking money out of my PayPal account and canceling all my cards and just using another one for the other side of business. Well, what PayPal did was refund the guy his money, but also take exactly that amount for themselves. So now I owed them money and I completely forgot about this. I didn't think it was a big deal. I thought it would all blow over. Then a year after that, a debt management collection agency knocks on my door. And I keep thinking, what's happening? My mum calls me down from upstairs and she says that these people say that you owe a certain amount and they've added hundreds on top of it. The total amount was something like 327 pounds. I remember that figure. I don't remember the pennies, but I was way too arrogant in that situation and I didn't put tracking. So actually, yes, it was my fault. Maybe the individual who I sold it to was trying to get their money back from me to scam me. Unfortunately, I fell for that. But because I didn't act on anything and I tried to run away, this is a great lesson, isn't it? Because if you run away from things in life or you bottle up bad energy, there's only going to be one situation in the end where it's all going to implode in a literal sense. You're going to be stressed and things aren't going to turn out great. So it's better to just address problems immediately. 
But the number one bit of advice from that, if you're an eBay seller or an Amazon seller, or just a business that is posting things, you need to make sure to include tracking. One example is second class signed. Costs about four pounds, it's not the greatest, but if you get postage packets in bulk, then you're saving a lot of money. Those postage packets are sold by the Royal Mail for something like £2.50 a pop. So you're spending £6.50 in total if you're mailing on second class signed. But if you buy four in a pack from Good Deal for a pound and just write the stuff yourself, you're spending £4.25. So you're saving something like £2.25 a pop. And if you're sending 100 plus items, you're saving £225. It adds up. And so my advice is to not be lenient to the extent where you will lower your price just to get everything sold immediately. If you can wait a day and you know the volume is high, get it through. But also remember to address your costs. This is nothing complicated. If you do business studies or have ever looked at a couple of videos on BBC Business or whatever, or you've seen some YouTube videos on a business channel, this is common sense. And a lot of people have been saying this, but many of us just avoid these little details. It is not difficult. Some of the ways I've talked about in this episode can help people a lot. And I hope that uh, anybody listening to this gets a little bit of value. I hope to produce more episodes like this in the future. It's 8.30 p.m. on a Sunday night right now, and I just thought that I really needed to get some of this information off my chest because it is extremely valuable to not just the current generation, but also the next. Hopefully, if the reaction to this episode goes down positively, we'll be able to look at some of the other areas of generating funds from basically doing nothing. And if you have to do something, you don't put up that much capital. I mean, there are some areas that we could cover. Advertising space, that is something that is so underrated. You could literally buy pixels back maybe five, six years ago and triple your money by just buying advertising space. Nothing bad, nothing intense. There's not much risk to it. There was literally a site that you could buy a pixel on and then sell that pixel to an advertiser and there was a market. There is a market for most things and there is value almost everywhere we go. We need to be careful to not miss those opportunities because we're being set up to miss those opportunities. A lot of people will look at university and try and go towards those areas. In fact, university is a great foundation, but you must remember that you're gonna be in a whole lot of debt. But if you go straight into work, you've got that capital for long-term capital appreciation. If you're able to get money earlier on in your life, then you can invest it for the future and benefit from the eighth wonder of the world, compound interest. There's also another immediate area that I would like to address, and that is the area of ISAs, investment savings accounts, and how young people can benefit from that in the future, but also middle-aged working peeps trying to save some money for retirement. There is so much, there are endless opportunities, different asset allocation methods if we're talking the quant side of investment, that's a little bit more in-depth, but a lot of people have probably heard of 60 40 portfolios where you have 60% in equities and 40% in bonds. We'll be looking at things like reduced volatility and better risk adjusted returns, really basic stuff that reduces your stress as an investor, but also doesn't really affect your returns that much. 
And there are some strategies where you diversify a lot, where you're actually able to increase your nominal returns. Forget about risk-adjusted returns, you're actually able to increase your nominal returns by reducing your volatility. There are so many different areas to address, but tonight I just felt like I wanted to talk about some of the areas where people can make money from not really doing anything. And hopefully in the future, we can look at different methods of investing our money. I've been your host, Ryan Kier, And if you really enjoyed this podcast, feel free to head on over to our site, quantumresearch.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at QuantumCast, or you can follow my private Twitter at RyanKia2. That is R-Y-A-N-K-I-A-2. I hope all of you had a wonderful weekend. That's it for me. Probably going to go get a Pepsi because another drink that shall not be named is unavailable today. But on that note, we'll end with a little bit of mystery. Until next time.